Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all-new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield approval is a real game changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the market every day. It's Monday, September the 3rd, and I'm your host, Shannon Jones. On today's financial show, we're talking about the wallet of the future, peer-to-peer payments, the top mobile players within the space, what they do, how they make money, and how the bigger money-making opportunities could still be ahead for these popular platforms. To tackle this subject and more, I'm joined by financials guru, certified financial planner, and peer-to-peer payment late adopter, Matt Frankel. Matt, how are you? Very good. How are you? I am doing well. I am uh, on the mend recovering from a bad uh, case of allergies, but uh, hopefully with rain coming through, that should all change here in the next couple of days. Yeah, definitely. There's been a cold going around down here, so I feel your pain. Yeah, absolutely. But it was not enough to keep me away from this week's industry focus. I'm really excited about uh, this particular topic, uh, peer-to-peer payments. Personally, I've used just about every major peer-to-peer mobile app you can think of. Matt, I know I joked around earlier, said you're kind of a late adopter. But before we dive in, let's talk a little bit about what this entire industry is and really, too, how they make money. Yeah, I definitely am a late adopter here. Um, I used Venmo for the first time about two months ago, but now I use it all the time. So, I mean, I I definitely see the utility. Um, I'm a big Square Cash fan. Um, I've used that a few times. Zelle is integrated into my bank account, the one that we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, But basically, these are all kind of ways to play a trend known as the war on cash. Um, What the war on cash is, it's the kind of, it's the new term for the trend toward a cashless society. Um, more people are using credit cards and debit cards than ever before. Um, I just read a statistic that the number of people who say they primarily use cash in the United States is down to 10% from about 20% five years ago. So this is a rapidly expanding trend and debit cards and credit cards took care of a lot of, a lot of the, the issue, but there was still a need to, for certain transactions to be able to be made cashless. For example, when you're out to dinner with friends and you want to split the bill, a lot of places won't split a check and let you pay on your debit card for your portion. So what these apps will allow you to do is, in those those cases, you know, send money for your portion of the bill directly to your friends, you know, Venmo, Zelle, Cash App. And this has kind of been a really un- underserved part of the payments industry until very recently. And that's why the a lot of apps have sprung up. Um, I know Amazon, Apple, a bunch of the, all the big ones have, have their own kind of uh, person-to-person payment apps. But the three big ones have definitely become Venmo, Zelle, and Square Cash. And it's really picking up in America, and there's still a lot of room for growth. So this is definitely a big trend and worth 
paying attention to. Yeah, and just to underscore that point, um, according to one market research company, eMarketer, they're actually estimating the total value of mobile uh, peer-to-peer payment transactions could rise to nearly $244 billion by 2021, and that's up from an estimated $156 billion in this year alone. So, just to uh, reiterate, the opportunity is huge, uh, particularly with millennials who have been really among the first to uh, adopt these new payment uh, platforms. But it's really no wonder why you see so many really jumping onto the P2P space. I mean, it comes down to speed. It's also convenience and really just ease of use across uh, many of those platforms that you mentioned. Matter of fact, last week I actually did some workshopping here. Um, here at the Motley Fool, we've got a Slack channel just dedicated to selling things that maybe we have no use for or want to get rid of. Um, very easily was able to pay a colleague simply by knowing uh, what her phone number was uh, for a particular piece of furniture. So the ease, the convenience, the simplicity of the entire space um, is a huge opportunity, and you're really starting to see it pick up even more steam. Now, one thing I would also mention, too, is one of the biggest uh, advantages or one of the biggest draws into this space is really come down really comes down to um, the cost factor. So for me, um, in using Venmo, using uh, Zelle, using Square Cash, and the Cash app, um, for me, the cost in some cases are either completely free or I'm paying a percentage of the transaction. Matt, can you talk a little bit about how many of these platforms and these providers are finding ways to monetize these peer-to-peer payments? Well, most of them aren't really monetizing them yet. Um, In fact, I'm pretty sure, just I know Square very well, I'm pretty sure Square is actually losing money on its cash app and a pretty significant amount. We'll talk about the long-term money-making opportunities a little bit later on, but the point to take away for right now is that these companies really aren't making money. As you mentioned, generally this is free. There are some fees, um, just for example, Square charges a 1% fee if you want your money like in an expedited fashion. Uh, Venmo charges a 3% surcharge to use a credit card. Um, but other than that, there really aren't that many fees associated with these. So they, in, in and of themselves, are not giant money makers for these companies, at least not yet. Yes, the keyword is yet. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, let's actually dive into probably what many would consider the most popular among the uh, peer-to-peer payment apps, and that would be Venmo. Venmo was acquired by PayPal back in 2013. Um, Of course, PayPal, ticker symbol is PYPL. Matt, what can you tell us about Venmo? Well, as you said, uh, Venmo was, well, it was actually acquired by PayPal in 2013. Um, It allows customers to link their debit card, credit card, or bank account. Um, They create kind of a separate account for their Venmo payments, and they can kind of easily move money between their account and their friend's account, as you mentioned, just by knowing somebody's phone number or something like that. So they can also link their um, their payments to a Venmo MasterCard, by the way. Um, the thing with Venmo, um, the transfers are not instantaneous, which is kind of the big drawback. And uh, an interesting statistic, although 
Venmo's often thought of as the biggest one. Square Cash actually has more downloads as of recently, and Zelle is by far the biggest in terms of payment volume by a, a you know significant margin. But anyway, PayPal or Venmo is about about a quarter of PayPal's total payment volume. So this is a big part of PayPal, even though I said, like I said, Zelle is a little bit bigger, and we'll go get into why in a minute. Um, like just for example, uh, during the second quarter, uh, Venmo processed $14 billion worth of payments. Um, that's a lot, but the more impressive statistic is the rate at which it's growing. That is 78% larger than it was a year ago. And if this growth rate continues, it could eventually turn into a pretty big revenue stream for PayPal all by itself and in other ways, as we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah, and one interesting thing with Venmo is that it has uh, a social media feature built into the platform as well, um, which has kind of been, I guess you could say, debatable in terms of its utility. Um, but really, with social media, uh, basically, um, when I went in and actually split a gift for my mom with my sister and brother-in-law, um, I was able to put in a couple of emojis to signify that this was a gift um, by default, when you make a payment through Venmo, it is public. Now, of course, you can change the privacy settings, but it's actually kind of interesting to go in and see the feed of all these different users on the platform and all the kind of quirky and funny things that they put into the feed. And I, I highlight that because I think that is a really interesting play on Venmo's use of creating that stickiness factor. How do you get people coming back to these apps, not just for making or splitting, you know, the, the cost of a bill for dinner. But how do you get people coming back to this um, more and more? And so I think that's one kind of the unique features of Venmo is that social media feature. Um, and I think, too, ultimately, we'll get more into how they can continue to monetize. But obviously, among uh, kind of the big three, this one is definitely the most well-known. And before we dive into the next P2P player, let's just take a quick break from our sponsor. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home. It's causing a lot of anxiety with folks. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate up for up to 90 days while you shop. And here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash full. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org number 3030. So let's dive into the next big player in the peer-to-peer uh, -peer payment space, and that would be Zelle. Zelle is unique in a number of ways, but more specifically in its relation to the big banks. It's even been referred to the bank's answer to Venmo. 
Um, one of the interesting things about uh, Zelle is initially big financial financial institutions had been pretty muted in terms of interest in the mobile peer-to-peer payment space. But with huge market opportunity, plus also you're seeing many of the banks starting to invest heavily in technology, um, many of them are now getting on board. And one key player behind all of that is Zelle. So, Matt, what can you tell us about how Zelle works and uh, how it's playing with the major banks? Yeah, Zelle is definitely the bank's answer to person-to-person payment apps like Venmo and Square Cash. Um, It's the newest out of the three, and its current form, uh, Zelle launched just last year in 2017. Um, and my, my guess is that the banks saw this turning into, as you mentioned, a $100 billion annual industry and kind of wanted their piece of it. They're afraid of getting left behind. Um, Zelle specifically is owned by a partnership between a bunch of big banks, uh, Bank of America, BB&T, Capital One, JP Morgan Chase, PNC Bank, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo are the seven that all own a piece of Zelle. So... If you notice, you know, Zelle all of a sudden integrated into your Wells Fargo account, for example, that's why. Um, Zelle has a few kind of unique features to it in opposition to Venmo. Um, First, you don't need a separate account to use it. Um, Venmo, you essentially create a Venmo account um, where you load money and stuff like just kind of like a PayPal account. Um, With Zelle, you don't need a separate account. It uses your existing bank account to transfer to your friend or whoever you're buying something from the transfer to their bank account. Um, Zelle also has very fast processing times. Um, most, in most cases, the transactions are processed virtually instantly. So Zelle is the bank's answer. It's the biggest of the three in terms of payment volume. It did about $75 billion in payment volume in 2017 and is really doing really well so far. It's really having the intended effect of keeping a lot of person-to-person payments in these banks' ecosystem. Yeah, and you mentioned that $75 billion in transactions last year. Um, Just to note, that was actually more than twice the amount of money that customers transferred with Venmo, um, of course, a huge rival. And I really think it does come down to the their competitive advantage, which is really their integration. I think when you look at the peer-to-peer payment space, um, oftentimes you do think of millennials and mobile apps because, as you mentioned, Matt, Zelle is built right into the existing legacy platform of these banks. It really is extremely seamless. Um, I've used Zelle within my own um, banking platform, and it didn't even feel like I was doing anything different as I would be from transferring money from one account to another account. It was really that easy and that seamless. So I think that that's a huge advantage, especially as you think about older demographics who may be a little bit more sensitive to first downloading an app on a phone, inputting credit card or debit card information, and then sending money to someone. Um, I think that Zelle has really kind of opened up the gates to a much wider demographic uh, long term. So it's no, no shock there to see just how fast they're growing. Um, and two, I think there's also the the advantage of the relative amount of safety when you're doing it from within your own bank. Um, when I went to transfer from myself to my sister recently, I was really impressed at just how seamless it was. But I didn't have to worry about having my credit card information 
in another third-party app and sending that over. Granted, it's not foolproof. There have been some cases, even noted in the media, where people who transfer through Zelle may put in like the wrong phone number or whatever, um, and it goes to the wrong person. But there's, there's, I think, an inherent level of safety, of comfort, that I think appeals to a much broader audience with Zelle moving forward. And so, yeah, I could definitely see uh, Zelle continuing to expand. Um, also, going back to eMarketer, the marketing research agency, um, they actually noted they think Zelle could become the most popular platform by 2022 as more and more institutions continue to to integrate it into their systems. Yeah, definitely. Zelle is definitely has the advantage of people not having to go to a third party to take advantage of the ability to send person-to-person payments. As you said, people who are not millennials, like the late adopters like me, Zelle was actually the first one I used out of all those, just because it was already integrated into my bank account and I didn't have to learn anything new. I'm a, I'm a borderline millennial, so that's why I eventually went to the Venmo direction. But anyway, Zelle has that advantage of being able... They already have kind of a built-in customer base, if you will. So that is their advantage and why they're already kind of the biggest in terms of payment volume and will probably remain the largest in space, at least for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So let's turn our attention to the last of the big three. And that would probably be, I would consider one of my favorites, and that's Square. Uh, so that's ticker symbol SQ, and that's with its Square Cash app. Matt, what can you tell us about Square? Well, Square, I, I, I'm with you. I love the company itself. Um, in terms of the Square Cash app, this it launched in 2013, right around the same time that PayPal acquired Venmo. Um, it, as I mentioned, it just hit more downloads than Venmo. It's been downloaded 33.5 million times. Um, there's about 7 million active users, which is a pretty big number for something for such a young industry. Um, Square Cash has a few unique features. It's usually instant, unlike Venmo, which is a big advantage. It has Bitcoin integration. Square Cash users can use the app to buy Bitcoin, um, which is really kind of unique. Square's kind of taken the lead in terms of cryptocurrencies among all the the peer-to-peer payment apps. Um, It has an adjacent kind of debit card, similar to the Venmo MasterCard called the Cash Card. And whereas Venmo kind of uses like a social media type feel to enhance the user experience, Square's kind of doing some different things. Um, One of them is called the Cash Boost Rewards Program, where users can get kind of a a rebate at certain retailers or restaurants for using the Square Cash app or paying with the cash card. And that's really caught on so far. Um, Cash card uses up, it's tripled since just December. So this is growing at an extremely rapid pace. And Square has made it clear through, through their actions and their words that they are willing to invest tons of money into this in order to get it to where it needs to be. Um, I mentioned that I'm pretty sure Square Cash is losing money. Um, mainly that Cash Boost program, for example, they're funding completely by themselves. But if the growth justifies it, then from an investor standpoint, it's definitely a good move. And Square Cash could widen its lead over Venmo in terms of downloads. I would not be surprised at all to see that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I could certainly see growth outpacing there. And I I think what's interesting, too, you mentioned 
um, with Bitcoin. So customers now can buy and sell Bitcoin directly from the Cash App. What's interesting to me about that is that even though you know Bitcoin's price has uh, fallen quite dramatically since topping out late last year, the app's downloads have continued to rise triple digits. I think uh, when I last looked early this summer, it was up nearly 153 percent. Um, so I think the the launch into Bitcoin. Very interesting, very smart. Um, I know um, Jack Dorsey really believes that Bitcoin will be the currency of the future and that we will be using everything um, and paying for everything with Bitcoin. We'll have to wait and see if that ever becomes true. But I do think just in terms of innovation um, and their ability to invest where it matters will really pay off for Square overall. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I, said, I wouldn't go so far as to say that Bitcoin is the reason that Square has surpassed Venmo now, but it definitely gives it you know, its own customer base there. Anyone who wants to send person-to-person payments and is also interested in cryptocurrencies, that's kind of their only choice. So it definitely gives them you know, a steady flow of customers that, that I don't know, can eventually, over time, if Jack Dorsey's right especially, will turn into a big revenue stream. Yeah, keyword is if there, Matt. That's true. Um, but you know, even with Bitcoin, uh, certainly is by no means uh, profitable for Square at the moment. Um, and kind of turning corners here, Matt, we've talked about the big three players, what they do, how they make money. But in your eyes, you actually don't see peer-to-peer payments as really being the big money-making opportunity. You think there's some other ways that they can branch out and really uh, pull in the big bucks. So let's talk a little bit about that. Where do you see this field evolving and how do you see these players becoming more profitable? Well, it depends which company we're talking about. Um, Zelle, for example, I see it's more of a defensive app um, in terms of its main function is to prevent loss of business for the banks. Um, if Venmo or Square Cash pretty much does every function they would need in terms of their banking, then Zelle can, you know, help stop the bleeding of business. Um, Venmo, their customers are, right now what the app is doing is bringing more people into the PayPal ecosystem. So it's creating more potential customers that could use PayPal's other platform, that could be used to cross-sell other products in the future. Um, Same with Square. Um, Square's bringing in, I said, 7 million active customers. Just for comparison, their core um, payment hardware business only has about 2 million active users. So this is a big group of people being brought into Square's ecosystem that could be used to cross-sell other products. Square, for example, is launching, or not launching, they're ramping up their small business lending program, which could eventually turn into a personal lending program. And then they already have 7 million built-in customers. I mean, that's very theoretical at this point. The other thing is the cryptocurrencies. Right now, they're not making much money. I, I want to say that their profit on Bitcoin in the last quarter was about $30,000, which is nothing. But over time, if Bitcoin becomes one of the world's leading currencies, as Jack Dorsey thinks, that could definitely be a big revenue opportunity. So with Venmo and Square, it's not about making money in the short term. It's about bringing as many people as possible into the company's ecosystem that could be eventually leveraged into revenue streams. With Zelle, as I mentioned, it's more of a defensive play. But there's definitely a lot of long-term revenue opportunities here. 
Yeah, totally agree. I think the long-term growth opportunities definitely definitely lie with Venmo and with Square. Um, in uh, late July, uh, PayPal CEO mentioned that 17% of Venmo users have actually already engaged in some sort of monetized experience so far this year. And really, that comes down to bringing in merchants into their ecosystem like Uber, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Seamless, Eat24, even Williams and Sonoma. Um, They're basically adding dedicated Venmo buttons to their site and their apps. And he even noted that there's demand for it, not just on the merchant side, but even for the customer side as well. So this is allowing uh, PayPal and Venmo to really start collecting transaction processing fees directly from the merchants. Um, So that's definitely an opportunity. And as you mentioned, just continuing to bring more and more people into their ecosystem. Um, with Square, you you touched on it already. I think the huge opportunity is moving uh, Square Capital from that kind of business-focused uh, lending to now more consumer-driven lending. And really, I think the key for Square is going to be in its data. As they continue to build out their ecosystem and really with this omni-channel presence that they're building, um, I've been so impressed with how they've been expanding um, vertically in particular. But I think what you have with that is as you bring more and more people in, not only are you collecting data on their spending habits, not only can you start making personalized marketing recommendations, but you're also um, making better, more informed lending decisions, which I think is going to be a huge competitive advantage for Square in the long term. Yeah, definitely. And um, like I said, it's all very theoretical at this point, what could be the big money drivers. But I mean, business lending, even if they get just a small percentage of those 7 million users to take advantage of personal lending services. Right now, um, I think Square Capital has only about 3% of Square's merchants are taking advantage of it, and it's become a big revenue source for the for the company. So, like I said, even a small percentage of that $7 million could be a big deal. Absolutely. So, definitely an area to keep an eye on. I'm really excited about this space. Hope our listeners are as well. And that's it for this week's financial show. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Matt Frankel, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!